So nice to be with you all on this auspicious occasion. And um, it is something, an occasion that we commemorate annually and hopefully upon reflection gain a new light in an ongoing way as is the significance of the avatar, uh, the principle of avatar. Avatara means to tara, to cross, from ava, from up to down. So it's the idea of um, appearance within time and space of that which, uh, despite such appearance, remains transcendental to or unconstrained by time and space. So, <clears throat> uh, and that, I should say, for the purpose of helping us to rise above, beyond, transcend the limits of time and space, to realize that we, in, in, in nature, um, are not so uh, constrained. <clears throat> And uh, amongst the uh, different tattvas, avatar tattva is one of the significant uh, subjects of the Bhagavatam. Hmm. And uh, out of ten, and as such, it's uh, considered to be an aspect of Bhagavan Sri Krishna avatari. Hmm. In this particular avatar, Narasimha, who we're um, whose appearance we're uh, remembering, celebrating, is, um, is, is by far the most, uh, uh, given the most treatment in the Bhagavatam. Uh, ten, ten chapters are dedicated to, uh, directly to his Leela and two or three chapters indirectly in the, in the seventh and the third chapter. Um, Respectively, hmm. and so a lot of uh, uh, content there. I mean, comparatively, uh, Ram, who's very prominent, also Ramchandra, avatar of Krishna, is, is given a, uh, considerably less uh, attention. Hmm. Of the three, I should say, avatari, Krishna. Ram and Narsingha, Rupa Goswami in his uh, Lagu Bhagavatamrita has referred to them as Paravasta, forms of the Lord, uh, by which he means that they all exhibit six um, six opulences. Aishvaryasya Samagasya Labiryasya Yasha and jnana and vairagya, so wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, renunciation. Parashara, as you may know, has invoked uh, this, uh, offered this type of uh, description of Bhagavan, who is possessed of all opulences, and as such, to that extent, is uh, attractive. As wealth is attractive to us, um, fame, knowledge, renunciation, Whoever possesses it possesses some attraction, um, beauty, so on and so forth. So all of these things in full, uh, and 
amongst the three then from Narsingha to Ram to Krishna in increasing uh, degree. So Krishna, all attractive amongst all attractive. But um, uh, point being, relative to today, Narsingha takes a very special uh, position and uh, and is given, as I say, considerable treatment in the Bhagavatam, which looks at these types of subjects, uh, Leela narratives, uh, descriptions of the avatars, um, uh, and uh, other things that make up the genre of a Purana, um, a particular type of uh, uh, sacred uh, text. Um, it, uh, it, it uh, deals with the subjects from a particular uh, vantage point that is unique amongst the Puranas. And that, of course, is, as we know, uh, uh, the text itself explains in its very onset. Nigamakalpataro galitam palam sukumukadamatadrabasam bitam pibatabhagabatam rasamalayam rasika bhuvi babukaha uh, at the onset of the text, it informs us that the way in which we're going to look at the subjects, which you may read about in other Puranas, and some of the narratives even have their um, are there in a more cryptic form in the Upanishads, a different genre of, uh, of sacred literature. And the way we're going to talk about all these subjects here is from this vantage point of understanding Bhagawan to be rasa, as the Taitariya uh, Upanishad and Anandavali says, rasuvai saha. He, Brahman, is rasa. So we're looking at this uh, through the lens of the Bhagavatam, the, the narrative of the, the appearance of uh, Bhagavan Nasringa from the point of view of rasa. So both the primary and a secondary rasa will come into focus as, uh, uh, as central to, 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 the, uh, to, to, to the narrative. And of course rasa is uh, the big, big subject, but in short it, it speaks about uh, the possibility of spiritual uh, emotion and um, a way in which the spark in our analogy the other night of the fire can um, be one with and different from it at the same time as to become one and different at the same time in in love. I often say that you and I in love become we. So you're not gone and I'm not gone but a, but a third category is arrived at, which is a unity. Love is, is about becoming one. Hmm. And um, not at the cost of the two, which seems impossible. And love, of course, knows no reason. So we don't have to worry about that. Uh, and that's, of course, what we, we live for in the world, for love. And that in itself should help to put reason in its, in its place. Mm-hmm. So, 
We'll just go through the the, 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 the the narrative as it's given in the Bhagavatam and what comes to mind as we talk about it, what points may arise. We'll then go a little bit of a, a tangent from the main stream and hopefully come back to the stream <laughs> and continue on until we pass through the, the, the most of the narrative. You may have to help me, remind me to come back <laughs> if the tangent turns into one after another and I spin out too far on the, on the side. <laughs> hmm. But uh, one of the things that is uh, central to the, uh, this uh, Leela of Bhagavan is um, brought out in the context in which the story directly arises. It arises directly in the seventh canto and indirectly in the third canto. The tenth can- seventh canto gives ten chapters to this and the third canto I think gives, gives two. Hmm. Um, but um, partiality is the context in which the story arises and partiality is is in one sense the uh, well one of the the main subjects hmm, of the entire chapter we find it in uh, well it begins in this way uh, the uh, 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 Yudhisthira, a conversation between Yudhisthira and Nard is referred to in the text at the beginning of the seventh chapter uh, for the sake of answering to the question that arose from the previous chapter where Vishnu is seen to side with the gods hmm? rather than with the, the devas rather than with the asuras. So the question of his partiality arises. Hmm. Seems like he has favorites. This would be a, thought to be a blemish, a fault, right? Just as if we have a uh, if we have a, a politician, and he's uh, compromised by partiality, rather than uh, dispassionately uh, representing the entire uh, uh, his entire constituency. If he plays favoritism to the lobbyists for example, on one side or another, then this is thought to be a fault, a blemish. Hmm? Partiality or bias is um, something that gets in the way of our objectivity and therefore is thought to be uh, problematic in terms of getting at the real nature of things, right? If you're too close to something, by that I mean to attach to it, then you may not be able to see it for what it is, right? Hmm? Your son may be delinquent, but in the eyes of the law, but it may be hard for you to see him in that way. And then that can be a problem because you don't treat him <laughs> properly and at home and and uh, um, discipline him. Then he ends up in, in jail or something like that. Uh, give an example. So in science, of course, is, is, is thought to be um, the objective view of things. Put on the white coat now. No colors. Colors means the world. From our perspective, colors mean the world. Uh, white means uh, pure, objective. So the scientist puts on the white frock and only the facts, ma'am, or from the legal, uh, <laughs> the legal field. Uh, there was a 
used to be a TV show when I was a kid. It was only the facts, ma'am. Dragnet, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> let, wherever the facts lead us, right? We have to let, not let our emotions, our bias, our attachments sway us here and there. So, interestingly enough, of course, this is something that we um, obviously as, as, as well say um, from our spiritual uh, perspective and um, and radically so, isn't it? We, we, we're thought sometimes by the so-called objective community, let's say, of in a scientific community to be uh, the antithesis of of objective, hmm? but in order to arrive at our particular persuasion and experience of our ideal, we have to undergo a very radical form of objectivity and detachment and stepping back from the world of emotions, hmm? attachments, and so forth, then enabling us to look at it from a different vantage point, uh, and so forth. So, no one could be more um, objective. Uh, in, I would say the scientists can put on the 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 white robe in the lab, but then and he changes his clothes and, and goes home and is a father or is a mother, um, and uh, lives in the world of the Babasindu, the ocean of material emotions. And indeed, scientific as you may be, and objective legally as you may be, um, it's human only <laughs> to, to be attached. It, and, and, and not to be is almost more than we can expect from any any human, hmm? right? The whole scientific community was shaken, you know, decades ago by what is his name, who um, um, wrote about paradigms shifts and so forth. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, basically said scientists are humans, hmm? <laughs> Which means that their human sensibilities, emotion, uh, attachments, and so forth, have some play in the findings and, and so forth. If they're well funded, huh, then they may look at the evidence in a particular way that it is pleasing to the funders. Uh, and again, this is only human. That's why I say that. Um, it's harder to dismiss the devotee of Bhagawan than it is to, Bhagawan, to dismiss Bhagawan or God. People may say, I don't believe in God, but it's hard to say, I don't believe in the saint who, objectively speaking, irregardless of his subjective experience that we cannot validate by going there, I mean, he shows a way to go there, but, uh, but without undergoing that, um, regardless of that, that fact, objectively speaking, he or she who has harnessed their human passions is supernatural. Mm -hmm. 
it's a you know Doctor Spock, but but he wasn't a sadhu, so he was from another planet. <laughs> he wasn't a human, but to be superhuman, so to to harness the human passions, if you will. So this type of impartiality is very much uh, central to, and from our perspective, it is the baseline of actual experiential spirituality. We began by talking about rasa and said we're going to get into the rasa of the whole thing, hmm? which is really turns everything upside down, as we'll see, from impartiality and the virtue of that, we go to a realm where there is partiality that is not a fault, but an ornament. Hmm? This idea of, of rasa. So, so this impartiality is very central. We find it, uh, as, as, as I say, at the onset of the story, the question arises, is God partial? Nard is giving the answer to Yudhisthira, and to do so, he tells the story of Shishupal. Hmm? Shishupal, who was uh, w- w- was slain by Krishna, but was, it was witnessed by everyone present, attained mukti, which is the, the, the stated goal, if you will, of, uh, of the Varnashram. It's where you leave the Varnashram. Hmm? Leave the varnas and the ashrams. It's which is not very much talked about. You don't want to talk about that too much. We wanted the dharma, artha, kama, everything happy, happy <laughs> acquisition, better improve your material position, and it's and it's all about mukti. Some quiet people over there in the Himalayas or somewhere. They've left the world. Hmm? Um, it's a stated goal of all the Vaishnav sampradayas except for ours, who has a different and very charming take on the prayogen or the ideal, prem prayogen, hmm? that makes mukti look small, which again makes impartiality as high, and it's very, very high as it is, that impartiality that can, that out of which can arise, for example, the universal compassion that we find in Prahlad. Hmm? This is only the baseline of spirituality. When we, when we go from there, now we go upwards in, into 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 uh, Rasananda. Hmm? So, um, prem rather than mukti, the Godis have the, the only sampradaya of the Vaishnavas, or uh, or even the Dwaitin sampradaya that says the goal is not mukti. The goal is is prem, and uh, the, and by that, they're really referring to the, to the to the Braj prem, which is which is really the full kind of spiritual antithesis of of impartiality, full spiritual partiality, and most beautiful, most charming. Hmm? So. Uh, the Bhagavatam is, uh, in this case, Narada is the speaker, and he, ex- or excuse me, uh, yeah, Narada is the speaker to Yudhisthira, and he tells the story of Sukadev, excuse me, um, Sisupal, and how he was liberated. And uh, the idea being that if Bhagavan Krishna 
blesses someone or beheads someone, uh, then the the result is mukti. Now, there may be different kinds of mukti, <laughs> all right, uh, and, and of course that's the, the, the variegated nature of, of, of transcendence, and so the way in which we approach will have some bearing upon that, but overall, by and large, mukti means to transcend, it means freedom, mukta, to, to become free, to become free from the uh, karmic uh, bondage, the repetition of birth and death, the moving musical chairs, and you're out, mm-hmm. and now you're out. Hmm? The, to, 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 to stand on ground that uh, isn't, isn't moving, To uh, 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 reach the shore from the ocean, the tossing and turning in the ocean of material emotions. Hmm. Um, so Nara is explaining he, he's not partial, hmm. and in then in the context of uh, continuing with the narrative about Sisipal and giving some background then we, we come to the description of his previous lives hmm, and the fact that he was once a gatekeeper in 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 Baikuntham hmm, in the Paravyom at the seventh gate along with, uh, with his twin Jai and Vijay Jai Vijay these two words mean victory. Hmm. Why? Why is it said in two different ways? Because technically speaking, they speak of two different types of victory. Hmm. As much as we bring the stories about Jai and Vijay, it's about the two types of victory, Jai and Vijay. Hmm. Ma, at the end of Mahabharat, you may know, Yudhisthira contemplates this. The whole war has taken place now in that great epic. And the very soft-hearted Yudhisthira is reflecting on it all, and he, he comes to the conclusion that the, that, the, that war is not a good thing. Hmm? He comes to the conclusion, really, of the Bhagavad Gita, which is the central kind of um, stepping-off point of the Mahabharat from the moral life, the small G the capital G good of transcendence. Uh, and that is what? That victory is not vijay, hmm? to conquer over others, hmm? in which case there's one victor and one uh, uh, loser. Hmm? But it is jai, to be victorious is jai. jai means to conquer over the self here, rather than to conquer over another. And by conquering over the self, then there's no loser. And whomever the self who has mastered himself or herself, so to speak, whoever comes in touch with such a person is 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 uh, is is benefited by such good company, such association. Hmm? And this is the message of the Gita, right? Arjuna is being told that 
what we're really doing here is teaching of the the, the the necessity to conquer the self. This means the lower self to conquer, to harness the human uh, passions, to uh, to slay the um, the ego, hmm? the material ego. Okay, so it's a much bigger task than than winning a battle, hmm? in which you may become the victor only to become the loser later on. But by sl- by slaying the self, the false ego, this kind of jai, then you're a victor forever, right? Hmm? By conquering the self. That's the whole idea, of course, it, which which is a, uh, marks kind of a difference between the Indian Hindu form of monarchy and the European form of monarchy. Hmm? And... And to symbolize that, it, we can understand it from the symbols, the king would sit on the Singhasana, Singhasana, the lion's throne. The king would sit on the lion's throne, the monarch. He was thought to be, of course, a Raja Rishi, that he was a, a, a leader amongst men who led by way of following the insights of, of the rishis and the scripture, which essentially is all about mastering the self. So he's sitting on the lion's throne means that lion is the most ferocious animal and he is sitting above his animality. Mm-hmm. He's conquered him himself. Of course, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but our avatar uh, of, of discussion is appears in the form of a combined man and, and 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 a lion so you can understand something from that about what the 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 the, 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 the uh, among other things the narrative is trying to uh, uh, tell us it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a um, these of course these narratives are considered to be like mytho-historical and the way you cannot validate them historically you cannot put them under the microscope and measure their historicity but there there are ways of a certain culture of talking about their facts about what's real hmm? ways of talking about what's real and of course if you follow the insights the lessons from all of these things then somewhere you can see that lion man missing <laughs> uh, them. Hmm. Um, so the idea is to, is, is, to, is to live in that super-subjective world, to live in that meditative realm. After all, as we said last night, the objective world, which is thought to be the real world, is hardly so in terms of our everyday dealings. It's not. Hmm. Right? We live in the subjective world of emotions and so on, which gets its power to be such from, as we described last night, from the proximity to the Atma that has potential for emotional life uh, in transcendence. So we want to live in the super subjective realm and take all the lessons from there that come to us in the world where we're attached to the, to the ob- objective realm and then being attached to it, we want to take that leela and make it fit in the objective world entirely 
and people look at you like, yeah, maybe you're a little crazy <laughs> to think like that. Mm -hmm. So you want to really kind of broaden your perspective as we're going forward here over the years, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, get a better grip on the understanding of of Leela that and, and what's real. Mm -hmm. What what what's the myth and what's real? The myth is the you know it is the world of our attachments desires and the the madness if you will of the of of the mind hmm? and a story that 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 facilitates mastering the mind mastering the senses again jai conquering the self the, the false self hmm? that must be the true story that must be that must be take us to 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 the real and it does by way of distancing us from Namarupa. Namarupa here means the world of names and forms, referring to the material world. Forms that come, we name them, we categorize them, and they disappear, coming and going. A world of only appearances. It's magical. It's so. It's and it's said as we often say in common human parlance, here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, we're going to find the real there? Hmm? Something to hold hold on to? It's, uh, it, and it's talked about in poetry and songs, sand castles and, uh, uh, and so forth. Hmm? Yeah. So, this Leela is meant, again, to take us from this fantasy realm hmm? to the real world of, of possibilities for the Atma, for the Self. So, so as the a, a Narada continues the narrative and he tells this, the backstory hmm, of Sisupal's previous lives and the fact that he was once a gatekeeper in Vaikuntha, Yudhisthira interrupts. And he says, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. hmm. I, I cannot, I have no faith in that. I cannot believe, hmm. this is what he says, it's, it's impossible that a gatekeeper in Vaikuntha could fall, even as the story goes, from the power of the curse of a sage. Hmm. So what could be more powerful of an influence in this world, the idea is, than the curse of a sage whose power is, is considerable? Because, uh, to use a Buddhist term, uh, less is more. So by his or her objectivity and detachment, rather than pursuing acquisition, taking and thinking, will become more, but that we become weaker. Uh, a classic example is that if you want to buy a home and you get a mortgage, you just got a loan for $100,000 and you're thinking you're just doing great, but you didn't read the fine print. Now you it's 30 years and by the time it's over, you're going to have to pay $400,000. So you just got into debt. Hmm? You quadrupled your, your debt. Hmm? Read the fine print, <laughs> right? So, so we become weakened. 
by taking. And we become, uh, uh, and the self contracts, so to speak, just uh, saying uh, figuratively, contracts by taking. And we therefore invoke terms like he's small minded. He's, he's, he's narrow-minded. He, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a bigot. He's a taker. He's uh, he, he, his self is not extended, expanded to identify with even his own family. He's selfish. Hmm? What to speak of his 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 um, his metropolitan place of residence, uh, or his state, or his nation? Think not. What your nation can do for you, but what you can do for your nation, and everyone was ah, oh, the big idea. Hmm? The self expands, hmm? and now the planetary consciousness, right, that transcends the the national borders and so forth. So these are just some uh, examples of this uh, principle, hmm? and. And of course, beyond the planetary and universal consciousness, then even beyond universal compassion, we come to the idea of rasa and so forth. We, we have a very powerful person. Those friends of Krishna, for example, hmm, who in the Prakat Lila, the Manifest Lila, watch him slay the different demons and so forth, and they're perfectly capable of doing so themselves. Hmm. They have all the powers. <laughs> of Krishna, hmm. but for the sake of Lila, of course, he's he he he's doing it. So, so a sage, even not a necessarily a rasika, but I'm going to differentiate here. For example, uh, the 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 jnani, hmm, who's dear to Krishna, hmm, right? What is it? Vasudeva Sarvamiti Samahatma Sudhulavaha. This type of person, like the Kumaras. And then we have Jaya and Vijaya at the gates of Vaikuntha, Rasikas, Vaishnavira Kriyamudra, Vignana Bhujai. Hmm. Difficult to understand the Vaishnavas, even if the sages, the Kumaras, couldn't figure them out. They're very smart. Hmm. And as continuing with the narrative, the powerful. They're not as powerful as the gatekeepers, but they don't understand that power yet. But they're very powerful because they have, they, they, they're, they're the Manasaputra of Brahma. The mind sons of Brahma, the first sons of Brahma. Before He asked them to be progenitors, but they refused. The progenitors came afterwards, which means comes the procreative organs and, and, and so on and so forth. So they're from this, they're like purely the subtle sons of the subtle body of, of 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 Brahma, so to speak. So they're born transcendentalists. We're we're beginning now to talk about the Kumaras, some of the players, significant players in this leela, and the fact that they cursed the gatekeepers, as a result of which we know they had to take birth in the material world, and one of those births was Sisupal, and so. Hmm? We're on track with the, with, with, with the story. <laughs> uh, uh, but these Kumaras, we should say a few uh, words about. Um, of course, in stories like this, these narratives, 
the players um, should not be seen um, to be like us, but they're paradigmatic figures in the Leela through whom lessons are taught, uh, by whom lessons are taught, by their examples, by the in, in the context of the Leela and different Leelas that they participate in, lessons for us as sadhakas to, to learn from. Indeed, the Kumaras are, are also listed as, a, as one of the avatars of Bhagavan. The Kumaras means, uh, Kumar means young, and so they are the four, Chatusan Kumar. Sanaka, which means ancient. Sanatana is the other one, eternal. Um, Sanandan, always joyful. And Snatkumar, that's the fourth one. Sanaka, Sananda, Sanatan. Hmm? Oh, anyway, there's four of them. Hmm? Four of them. Hmm? Um, and and they are uh, of course depicted in the literature as as being young kumars. I mean, like five years uh, old at, at at most, and naked. The implication, of course, is if a, if we're sitting in an assembly like this, and a four-year-old boy walks in naked, nobody's going to arrest him for sexual, you know, harassment. <laughs> or exposing himself in the public or, or something like that. We're not going to call the police. He can come in. It's not a big deal. Hmm? In fact, we may be, be charmed by it. So the implication is that they could go anywhere hmm? because they had no no progenitor appetite, right? Hmm? And having no appetite for, for progeny, hmm? they had a vision of a world family, hmm? not this is my wife, and that is your wife. Hmm. And these are my children, those are your children, and let's make a fence in between. And, and uh, the typical ways in which uh, we divide up the world um, based on our sense of my. Hmm. So they didn't have any sense of, of my. They had only a sense of I, and it wasn't an I that was derived from my, right? And and so they they could go, they could go anywhere. And they came to the gates of Vaikuntha. The reason that they came to the gates of Vaikuntha were able to uh, pass through the six gates, come to the seventh gate, and so forth, is because despite the fact that they are they are, um, in this narrative, depicted as jnanis, and throughout the text uh, the, the, of the sacred literature as jnanis. I, I want to say they're very special people. I was saying they're considered avatars. They're, uh, um, they, they have a prominent place within Vaishnavism, as well as within Shaivism. Indeed, uh, from the Gaudiya Sampradaya's uh, perspective, we have even taken advantage of their... Um, uh, their um, position uh, as understood by the Shaivites. This is one of the ways in which Gaudiya Vaishnava is very uh, inclusive and harmonizing 
So let's take, for example, what is the highest reach of Gaudiya Vaishnavism? Anarpitacharim charat kurnayabhatina samarpaitam unatojal rasam sabhakti sriyam. And if we look at the Ramana and the Samvad, we see it goes to this Sakibhav. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be the in a particular type of that, sometimes referred to as as Manjari Bhava, to be the handmaiden uh, of Radha, highest reach, it's thought, mm-hmm. and it's the Kumaras that have spoken about this in the Shiva Purana, that the Goswamis, Rup Sanatan, have taken from. And so we'll include this part as part of our what we're doing. What they were doing was Nana Shastra Vichara Naikanipanosa Dharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitagarano Tribune Manyo Sharanyakaro out of compassion, universal compassion. They were taking the the essence of all the texts and creating, so to speak, a a body of bhakti shastras. Hmm? Um, all of which uh, seek to elaborate on the implications of the central text, Srimad Bhagavatam. So they took from the Shiva Purana here, okay. what, the, what the Kumaras have said. What does Rupa Goswami say in his prayer to Radha? Hmm? Sanatana Charite. That Sanatan and Sanakadi, Sanatana and the other three, that they are varnita charite radhe, hmm? the the varna, the, the the qualities of the the character, I should say, charit, the character of Radha. They are always varna. They're always uttering syllables about. They're glorifying the character of Radha. This is their position. This is how uh, the highest position, so to speak, from the Godi perspective. The Godias are very inclusive, and in being inclusive, they speak in the most flattering way about everybody. Hmm? In other words, if you want to take Shiva, for example, how the Shaivites speak about him, hmm? the way we speak about him is more flattering. There he is at the Rasa, Rasa Stali, the, the, the gate hmm? of the Rasa Lila. This is a, we, we give a very high position to him. Because why? He himself has said it in the Purana. Hmm? When Devi asked, what is the highest type of worship? What did he say? Arananam sarvesham vishnu arananam param tasmat parataram devi samarchanam tadiyanam samarchanam tadiya, tadiya. He said, of all types of worship, highest worship is the worship of Vishnu, which caused her to plummet a little bit and think, well, I'm worshipping you. I thought you were going to say, worship of you. That's the Shiva Pran says. Shiva's two Bhagavans. Why? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. And, he said, and, he's, and he goes on in the second half of the verse. Aradhananam Savarsham Vishnu Aradhanam Param Tasmat. However, the worship of those who worship Vishnu, who are dear to Tadiya, that is more high. And then she thought, oh, that's very good, because <laughs> he's always meditating on Sankarshan, Vishnu. Hmm? 
So to put him at the at the gate of the of, of the Rasalila, hmm? this is higher than to put him as the supreme supreme god. Hmm? That's very flattering for everybody. Hmm? Everybody seen through the eyes of the Brajbasis is seen in the brightest light. Hmm? That's one thing about the Brajbasis. They're seeing everyone in the brightest light. Except for themselves. They think we're just in samsara, samsara kupam. Hmm? Such is our plight. Hmm? <laughs> the Brajabhasis are not, hey, we're rag bhaktas, okay? <laughs> you vaidi bhaktas, what to speak of, you ganis, you got nothing on us. You know, they, they, they are actually, therefore, jai. Hmm? Right? You Brajabhasi ki jai. They are they are they are victorious over the self in a most comprehensive way, mm-hmm. and and seeing everyone in the brightest possible light. This is their position. Mm-hmm. The humility of Gaudiya Vaishnavas is so central to its practice and its perfection. If you study Brihat Bhagavatamrita from Sanatan's perspective, mm-hmm. humility becomes one with Prem in perfection. And the two, the Prem and humility, they, 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 they cause one another to... Humility causes the Prem to flourish. Prem causes the humility to flourish without end. This was, of course, in this, from a sadhaka's point of view, then also this humility becomes... is, is very central. It's, it's, it's the... The, the turning point, the turning point in practice, right? From following the theory and having a flash here and there to having ongoing experience. Trinadapi suni chenet torodapi sahishtana amanena manadena kirtaniya sadahari. When the practice becomes steady, nishta. And those things that cause my practice to be uh, unsteady have been eliminated. Then, hmm? if the practice is steady, experience is, is consistent. Hmm? You've turned a corner now. This is a kind of an interim goal. Or Mahaprabhu said, chant in this way. More humble than a blade of grass, more tolerant than a tree, offering respects honor others, expecting no honor for oneself, then you can chant without interruption. Then you can serve without interruption. What's interrupting is the mind and our attachments, our distractions. Hmm? We're all suffering from, what is that, ADT? Something. Right. What is it? ADHD? Yeah. Yeah, we got them both. Right. Hmm. So, t- <laughs> So to re- retire that that side, now you now the now the road ahead becomes uh, it's straight. It's no longer winding. Hmm? It's straight, but it's not narrow, right? It's become broad, and rules and regulations become realizations, and the, every verse takes on many meanings, and you can accommodate more than one correct. Understanding, imagine that. 
Look at it. From black and white, we've come to, it used to be 256 shades of, of gray. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> shades of gray, that's another movie that I didn't see. <laughs> Was that what it's called? I heard about it. So, <laughs> anyway, I mean, spiritual life is rather nuanced. This, this is the point we're making here. Stay on track. So, <laughs> I get around, you know. <laughs> For preaching, I, I pick up what I need to. <laughs> to so, uh, so at any rate, uh, uh, these uh, these these Kumars, they're very powerful, powerful people. They weren't as powerful as the Vaishnavas, neither did the Vaishnavas look powerful comparatively to the sages who could be naked, hmm? for example, and uh, and they could go anywhere. Hmm? How did they come to Baikuntha? How did, how did they get there? So, regardless of how they may be talked about in other places and so forth, the Bhagavatam is talking about them in a particular way in the context of this narrative for its own purpose, which is to get at the heart of the whole avatar of the Sringa and, and the rasa of it all. Hmm? And so, of course, it's thought that the, the sages were able to come to the gates of Vaikuntha and, and, and ultimately have the darshan of Narayan um, because of the blessing of Nard, because of the blessing of Brahma, hmm? who, in a, in, a, in, a, in a broad sense, afforded them through such blessing, voiced or not, sangskars for bhakti. Hmm? But being the manasaputras, the mental sons of Brahma, is strong sangskar for jnan. Hmm? And they were jnanis, but as the Gita said, we cited it earlier, jnanis are very dear to Krishna. Hmm? They see Vasudev Sarvamiti, they say God is everywhere. How can he be in one place? He's everywhere. Hmm? Now they're coming to the place where he's in, where he appears to be mm-hmm. in one place. Hmm? Brahman is very, very broad. Comparatively, Vaikuntha starts to sound narrow. Hmm? What to speak of Braj? It's very small, colloquial, provincial. Hmm? It doesn't even have the big metropolitan sensibilities and, and so forth. Hmm? But that would be a superficial reading, because the uh, the expanse and the accommodating nature of Bhakuntha compared to Brahman, Brahman can accommodate everything. Hmm? But Bhakuntha is accommodating everything, but it has the addition of affection, which is really the most accommodating element, right? If you love someone, and you can live under a rock with them. Hmm? In a van, you can live in a van. <laughs> if you love Krishna, <laughs> two of you can live in a van. <laughs> right? Like our esteemed guests here. Hmm? For years and years and years. Hmm? So, uh, uh, as we go from Brahman to Vaikuntha, there's an increase of affection, which makes the place look smaller, but it's actually bigger and more accommodating. We go to Brudge, it's even smaller, but the affection is even greater. It's even more accommodating. Hmm? 
So the idea is that Vaikuntha is actually within Braj. Brahman is within Braj, even. Mm-hmm. And Krishna is everywhere, right? The form of Krishna is everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're living, the, the reality is a person, it's just not us. Mm-hmm. We're part of him. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, the, uh, I used to like to give that example, what was his name? Love, love, love luck, love, love joy. Love Locke, who said, "The Earth is goddess. It's a goddess. It's a. It's a. What was his theory? Gaia. Gaia. The Gaia principle. The world is an organism. We're part of it. Because a different perspective. I'm part of something else. So, in a, in a bigger sense, we're part of Vishnu's dream." <laughs> We're living in somebody else's dream. <laughs> you can't get too proud <laughs> with that perspective, right? So, anyway, the Kumaras at the gate, they went through six gates, which, in one sense, we can look at from the Gaudi perspective Ado, Shraddha, Tata, Sadhu, Sangha, from Shraddha, the initial faith to sadhusanga, to bhajana kriya, practice that results, or the following that results from that uh, association, to the, the result of the practice, right, four, gate four, removal of these unwanted things and distractions, five, we come to nishta, practice now becomes steady, as I was saying earlier, and humble, not... I chanted more rounds than you did. <laughs> I I did near Jalakata. Hmm. I like that, right? Uh, uh, so Nishta, then taste coming, Ruchi, hmm. starting the beginning of, of from detachment to the beginning of a real a tangible attachment, Ruchi and Asakti. Hmm. That's seven. Gate seven. Asakti, you go beyond that, you're in the world of Nityasudabhava. Hmm? Bhavas, emotions, feelings that drive that world that are, are eternal. Hmm? Very important point. Hmm? That our goal should be eternal. Hmm? It cannot be something that you could fall from. That's why Yudhisthira is a smart guy. He says, I don't believe anybody could fall from Vaikuntha. How is that possible? They have, he he said, they have bodies that are constituted of the Swarup Shakti, the internal power of Krishna. Hmm? I I don't believe that they they could, from perfection, they could go to imperfection. If it was the case, there would be no meaning to perfection. If imperfection was inherent within it, hmm? uh, the whole, all of the goals, the Gita makes it very clear. Abrahma Bhuvanaloka Punaravartino Arjuna, Mamu Peta Dukunte Punarjan Mana Vidyate, right? Even though the Brahma Loka, hmm? 
you have to come down. It means it's temporary. It's a temporary situation. You might go up from there, but you can't stay there. Is the point? He says. But my abode, Bhaikuntam, is different. My abode is different. What's the difference? There's no coming back from there. There's no taking birth again from there. There's no falling from there. This, of course, is the one place in the Bhagavatam where this question is directly uh, posed and addressed. So if we, it is a subject that's been of um, considerable discussion um, over the in the recent uh, uh, decades in the international community of Gaudiya Vaishnava. This is a, go to where it's where it's talked about in the Bhagavatam. This is the one you can't say this verse over here. I think it means that you all because it says this over here. This is all about nothing about Siddhanta. There's no sangati. There's no context to that. Those type of keyboard. This verse says this. Post this long thing. You know. What do you mean to be saying by that? What, what is your point? What, what is the context? Do you know what, what the context of that is? What that's saying? How can you apply that over here? And so, no, to arrive at Siddhanta, among other things, you have Dev Sangati, context. Hmm? So, here the question is asked, and, and Yudhisthira says, I do not believe that anyone can fall from Vaikuntha even by the power of the of a curse of a sage and that is real power you don't want that hmm? right the sage has the power punar musika baba <laughs> right <laughs> to turn the lion back into a mouse hmm? the lion's pretty powerful but if he has conquered himself hmm? He can turn a lion into a mouse. Most of you know this, the story, right? So you couldn't. The example is there. You couldn't get a more powerful kind of influence hmm, um, than the curse of a sage. And still, he doesn't believe that that that, that has the, the power, that has any efficacy in that realm. Hmm. Yudhisthira, the great Parambhashnav. And so we're taken, anyway, to the, to the story there. This is the beginning of the ten chapters that will follow describing the Shingalila. Um, but we've gone back a little bit to the third canto, this is where we are now, where the Kumaras are approaching the gates and Jai and Vijay don't let them in. And they take offense to that because they think, hey, we... Our perspective is God is everywhere. Hmm? And we are part of the Godhead and so we're everywhere. Hmm? There's nowhere we can't can't go or be. And when people think you can't come here, they're in material consciousness. They're dividing up something that's indivisible. Hmm? And they're thinking in terms of my house my family, my country, again, my nation, my planet. And this, these are all false ideas. And uh, so these people uh, need a lesson. So the sages, you know, they're full of knowledge, so they got to always give lessons. 
the Vaishnavas are not always so quick necessarily to give lessons, <laughs> but the, the jnanis they have to they have to teach everybody, hmm? and uh, and uh, uh, apparently um, sometimes for teaching they invoke their um, their power hmm? to curse, punarmasika again become a mouse, or this kind of idea. So so they 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 thought you know here we're experiencing this material consciousness. We want to drive it out. And so we're going to curse these people to, they don't, they don't belong here. Hmm. They, given now that they don't really quite understand Vaikuntha yet, they're at the gates. They don't have bhava. They got some bhakti sangskar in a general way from Brahma and Nard's blessing. But now, in the maturity of their their gyan, they're right there in the in the association of dasya bhaktas, who are basically by not allowing them the gate, telling them, hey, you know, we don't care if you're a gyani and you're self-realized and you're a jivan mukta, which they were. That's not the ticket to get in here. In a nice enough way. <laughs> They're, they're teaching. The teaching from such Vaishnavas is not always like direct like the Gyanis. Because after all, Krishna himself himself says in Bhagavatam that he, he likes the Parokshavad, indirect speech. It's very appealing to intelligent, really truly intelligent people. You don't have to spell it out, just indicate it. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> yeah, very, very pleasing. So... As we see, that's very much the nature of, of, of Narayan, so his, so his associates. So they don't let him in the gate. There's a message there. You're supposed to, you're smart. You're supposed to figure it out. You don't have bhava. You may be a jivan mukta hmm, in the penultimate stage of uh, transcendence, hmm, liberated in the body, but but you don't have bhava. You can't come in here. You have a passport. You can go anywhere in the world, but you can't enter into into Vaikuntha without a visa. You need a visa from that side. You need more bhakti sanskar. You, you think you can just barge the gates here? Sometimes we let people in for entertainment. <laughs> so sometimes a guy like Durvas will get in. They let him in. Jiva Goswami gives a nice example in the Sandarbhas somewhere that sometimes a king will bring a lion in in a cage for entertainment one night in, 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 the, in, the, in the palace. And the lion is there. Oh, there is a lion in the cage. Everybody's looking at him and so forth. So he allows sometimes people to come in who don't fit there for the entertainment of the residents. Look at this guy. <laughs> and he th- <laughs> it's, it's a funny place. Hmm? Narayan's got a sense of humor, is the point. Hmm? So, we know the examples are there. Durvas, is, I think, was it Durvas? Yeah, he, he got in there. He's there, but he's he's not really there. He's, he's like a lion in the cage in the palace of the king. He's not really in the palace, right? Hmm? So, you cannot get in there without a visa. Visa means bhava. That those nitya bhavas of of Bhakunta, Dasya Bhav, Shantabhav, 
or if we go Golok, uh, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, they had to make ingress through Bhakti Sangskars and subsequent response to them in the form of um, corresponding worship and, and practice that corresponds with the kind of samskars we've received and the, 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 the corresponding deity and so forth. So as powerful as they were, as spiritual as they were, uh, they did not have that. And they heard they had the opportunity. Hmm? If they had dealt differently at the gates, they could have gotten Dasya Bhakti. I mean, there is no comparison. To, to, they had some possibility in this context, as, as, as in this narrative, to be to enter into Brahma Sauja with the blessing of Bhagawan. Hmm? But instead, now they were getting the opportunity for for Dasya Rasa. I mean. There are different types of spiritual perfection, and if we look at them with the yardstick of objectivity, hmm? Brahma Sayuja, from the Gaudiya perspective, is like nowhere compared to even Shantarasa, hmm? which we don't give a lot of attention to, but when we speak of Dasyarasa. Hmm? So they really, not understanding the Vaishnavs, the gatekeepers, and cursing them, they offended them. Hmm? And because they offended them. They were just at the gate, with the other side of which is bhava, where all these dissidents bhavas are, are the, the, the everything is moving under the influence of right the swarup shakti, and and they could have got dasya bhakti, but just at the just they're just at the gate, just about to enter into the prospect of bhava, but they make offense. Rupa Goswami explains in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in his chapter on Bhava Bhakti that uh, it's possible that by offense to a Vaishnav, one's bhakti, one's, one's, one's dasya, and this means in potential, can be lowered from dasya, potential, to uh, shanta, for example. Hmm? In that chapter, Rupa Goswami doesn't mention the Stai Bhava at all. He's talking about only the budding stage of Bhava Bhakti. Hmm? Stai Bhava's maturity means rasa. That means it means prem. Hmm? So some Bhava may come, hmm? but the development of the Stai Bhava that is another thing. And in in in, in if despite um, having some Bhava, you make offense. Vaishnav, who is the medium through association and bhakti samskars that we will develop a certain bhava, hmm? Hmm. then while we could have attained dasya, hmm? instead the kumaras they attain shantarasa. Hmm. Now, again, the kumaras are just being used in this context to make this point to us. In his own commentary on the text, I believe Vishwanath cites this verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu to help us understand what might be difficult to understand because you might be thinking of it like, well, if someone is a coward boy, how can their, their rasa be changed to become a, you know, a, a dasya? Or, because it's not talking about the mature stage, 
which is praying, but only in the budding stages of bhav, something like that. Hmm? So meanwhile, of course, the the gatekeepers they they take the curse seriously in humility, hmm? um, and uh, and Ryan. There's a disturbance at the gates of Baikuntha. So Narayan comes onto the scene. And we get a very, from the Bhagavatam, we have a very beautiful glimpse into the charming nature of Bhagavan Narayan. He's really quite a, quite a charming fellow. We, are, we know that Krishna is very, very charming. It goes without saying. And we may think of Narayan with a little bit more of a straight face and... Uh, with more respect and so forth, but but here he he is beautifully depicted as very charming and uh, with a good sense of humor, hmm? very masterful as 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 a teacher as well. So he comes onto the scene and he starts to glorify the Kumaras. You guys are just the sky. I mean, you you are you're Brahmins. Hmm? The Brahmins. I I, I worship the Brahmins. And he glorifies them in every way, and they're looking at, and he's twirling the lotus in his hands and smiling. He's playing with them. Hmm? What is your uh, Jivan Mukta sensibilities, Atmananda? What is your Atmananda compared to my world of Bhakti Ananda? Oh, that's a very small thing in comparison. Hmm? And in in he's he's saying one thing. But he means something else. He's glorifying those kumaras and chastising the gatekeepers, and and then he says something very significant. He says, "I have offended you." And the kumaras, they they are pretty smart, so they get it at that point. Huh? Ah, the gatekeepers offended us. He's saying he offended us. That means. He feels that he's one with the gatekeepers in some extraordinary way. Hmm? And I think maybe we made a mistake here. <laughs> they start to go in, in that direction. Hmm? And uh, so uh, Bhagavan Narayan is very uh, playful with them and indirectly making a point that somebody had to be pretty smart to, to, to pick up on. Hmm? They could have said, "Yeah, that's what we are Brahmins," and it does say in the scripture that you, that you worship us. And, uh, that's right. But they they got it, hmm? and so then they started to feel remorseful and so forth. And then Bhagavan Narayan comes out and he and he says, "Here's the thing. This has all been arranged by my Surup Shakti. Really, no one is to blame here. This is all about Birarasa." Hmm? It's all about Virarasa. I live in Vaikuntha. Hmm? Here there is Dasya Rasa, there is Shantarasa. But uh, I've got this desire for Virarasa, and there's no place for it here. Hmm? There's no place for it for a couple of reasons. Virarasa hmm? um, means the, the heroic rasa, there are four types of it. Dhanavir, Yudavir, Yudavir, right? Dhanavir, Dayavir, and Dhana, Daya, Dharma. 
Dharmavir, Dhyavir, Dhanavir, Yudhavir. Hmm? Only Yudhavir means actually a, a rasa fighting with the Lord. Other types of heroes are dharmic hero, heroism, uh, uh, a, a hero in terms of dawn, a, a charity, daya, of, 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 of being graceful in, 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 in a particular situation. Yuda means uh, to fight, so Yuda, um, I mean, who, who is he going to, who's going to fight with him in, 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 in Vaikuntha? Now, if you go to Brudge, you can you, you can find somebody to fight with there. You can, you can wrestle with his friends, and this is the other reason. Now, there's nobody there's nobody there to fight with him um, uh, in 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 Vaikuntha because actually Dasyarasa is incompatible with Yudavira. It's compatible with Danavir. Dayavir, but it's not. Some rasas are compatible with others, and some are incompatible. With Sakirasa, Yudavira is compatible. Hmm? If it's compatible, it means that when Yudavira rasa is a secondary rasa, so you really only can be a rasa or ascend. That emotion can only ascend to the position of rasa uh, in connection with a dominant, a prominent uh, primary rasa. Hmm? So you can't have vira rasa unto itself, but if you have sakya rasa or madhuri rasa that yuda vira is compatible with, then when the, that emotion, hmm, here is the play fighting between Krishna and his friends, for example, takes precedence, then it rides on the sakya rasa, and the sakya rasa is taken to, to the background, hmm, and yuda vira rasa is experienced by Krishna and his friends. Hmm. So you're going to have to go to Brudge for that um, because there's no one to fight with Krishna, with Vishnu, with Narayan and Vaikuntha, and Yudhavira Rasa is, is incompatible. When it's incompatible, it means that it will, rather than causing, as it does in Sakyarasa, where it's compatible, the Sakyarasa to increase, to, to, to swell, it will cause Dasyarasa, Yudhavira, to, to contract. Hmm? So it, it's, it's not serving, so to speak, the primary rasa, hmm? embellishing it in a way that exceeds even the embellishment, for example, of sanchari bobs, bevichari bobs, hmm? because it can become so prominent that it becomes dominant. Hmm? Um, so problem, hmm? problem for Narayan. He wants to taste beer rasa. And but the gatekeepers, they're they're pretty jabby jab, they're pretty extraordinary fellows because they, they detected that. They they detected that. They wanted to do something about it. It's very peculiar. What can they do? They're in Dasyarasa. And they're in Baikuntha, which is the reverential realm. So what 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 to do? So some very extraordinary arrangement has to be made to fulfill the desire of Vaikuntha of, of, of Nath and, and the desire that's been somehow picked up on hmm, by the sense, rasic sensibilities of the gatekeepers. Hmm. So leave it to Yoga Maya right, for, <laughs> to make a very extraordinary uh, arrangement right, hmm, that 
the, the gatekeepers will fall, and uh, and so on. We'll go on with the narrative, right? And so they, and of course, but uh, he could come to the material world and fight, but if he fights with somebody who's not a devotee, then he's not going to get Virarasa out of that. Hmm. So, somehow or other, anyway, by Yoga Maya's arrangement, all these events are happening, and Krishna tells it, oh, this is, is really what, what it's all about. And these guys, Jai Bijai, they, they figured it out. So, we let the curse hold. Hmm. They'll go to the material world. And, of course, they were given the option, what was it, seven births or three births? They took the three births as asuras. Actually, they, they took birth as asuras, rakshashas, and humans, three successive births. There's a, there's a gradation there. Hmm. Last one is against Sisupal and Dantavakra as humans. And then at the hands of Krishna alone, they get mukti. They get, in other words, it means Nishringa couldn't do it. Hmm. And Varaha couldn't do it. There's four avatars here. And Ram couldn't do it. Krishna, the avatari, he can do it. Hmm. It's another way that Jiva Goswami cites Krishna Sandarbha to understand that Krishna is the avatari. He has the powers that no one has. Hmm? And so many leelas are there. And Krishna is giving mukti to everybody. Hmm? So, uh, so, uh, as asuras, as the rakshashas in Ramlila, as asuras, as what are the two? Uh, Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu, right? And Ram, uh, Kumbhakarna, and Ravan, and Sishupal and Dantabakra. Hello, welcome. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, that's an encore, yeah, appearance as Jai Vijaya, as, as uh, Jagai Madai. So, um, so Narayan lets it hold, and then he, he does something special too. He tells the gatekeepers, "You're going to go, and I'll see you there, and uh, and and so forth." And and by this, the implication is, my desire will be fulfilled. I'll have you to veer with you guys. You'll be absorbed in thoughts of me, with some with 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 anger, hmm? and uh, and so on. And meanwhile, he says, "You'll simultaneously stay here." At the gates, hmm? which isn't such a stretch, because the teaching is that when the apricot of the unmanifest leela appears here as a manifest leela on earth, it simultaneously, the apricot leela continues; it doesn't stop. And those in the prakat leela, like Yashoda, Nanda, Sridam, Sudam, they don't know hmm, that they. <laughs> Are simultaneously in the there's these their identity is split in the Baikuntha, in in, in Goloka they don't know that the Prakat Leela is going on and in the Prakat Leela they don't know that the Aprakat Leela is going on because that, that that they don't know about the Aprakat Leela of course is shown in the Bhagavatam itself when the residents of Vrindavan ask Krishna to show us what our next life will be, and he shows them. When he shows them Golok, only he appears there in the vision that he shows of the Prakash, the window that he that he shows of, of, of Golok. This is where you'll go. And they're not present when he shows it. Hmm? It's his way of saying subtly, and you'll be there. Hmm? 
It's me and nobody else is there because you're here <laughs> with me. If I go there, you're going to be there too. The implication is I'm there. You're with me, right? Right. Okay, so you're going to be there too. So he doesn't show that they're already there and that he's already there. It's very complicated. Hmm? So, Jai Vijay, they're here and they're there. They remain in their position. They never leave. Other ways, of course, is explained that they actually the planet that they went to, hmm? the planet, was the Vaikuntha planet within the world, hmm? which the Bhagavatam itself is compared to. The Vaikuntha planet within the world. Therefore, you should live in the Bhagavatam, as I said earlier. <laughs> Try to live in there. Hmm? Right? So, the three successive births, and of course, uh, 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 um, the two twins, Jai and Vijay, and one of them is born as Hiranyakasipu. Hmm? So, what we're seeing here is the impartiality out of which the conversation, the narrative begins, the, the impartiality of the Kumaras, and we're comparing that, we're contrasting that with the partiality of Bhagawan towards his associates, which is a beautiful thing. In the Vedanta Sutra, of course, it's the question arises, is God partial? And the answer is no. And then the, the comeback is, well, it looks like he is, because some people are born rich and some people are born poor. Hmm? And the sutras say, no, that's not that God's partial, that's karma. Hmm? And then the, the reply comes, well, what about at the beginning, when it all started? You must have started one out in one foot and one on another foot, otherwise they'd be equal. Hmm? And the answer is anadi. Next question. Hmm? It says no, because there is no beginning. It doesn't compute well to the Western mind. Theologically, when the Hindus give this answer, there's no beginning, Christians say, well, you're not answering the question, <laughs> Christian theologians. You've just avoided the question. Hmm? Some of the problems of theologically speaking in, in the West with modern science and so forth, they don't really per arise, at least in the same measure, um, to uh, uh, Hinduism and, and, and the Bhagavad uh, Vaishnavism. Hmm? Um, you know, it's a panentheistic perspective, so who, who are you going to blame? God is doing what he does. The Jiva Shakti is part of God. Hmm? So, who, who, from the from the Abed perspective, the non-difference, the non-dual perspective, who's to blame? Hmm? <laughs> so, so at any rate, um, we find this extraordinary kind of partiality. The sutras go on to say. God is impartial, and karma has no beginning. It can't have a beginning because the world cycles have no beginning, and there's no meaning to the material world without karma. It's the glue that that binds the jivas and the maya shakti and the jiva shakti together to make the whole thing work. And karma is the, the glue or the gas that, that propels the, the the engine. You can't have a world cycle without any karma. So it may not fit between your ears, but everything this is not supposed to. Reality is bigger than bigger than that. It's actually a very peaceful idea. When you get into, when you start to really enter into cyclic time, rather than linear time perspective, you start to feel it. It's very, very 
comforting, very charming, very complete, holistic. Uh, the example is there. If you if you just if I just take a board and I just draw a line, just like line. Each point has to be defined by the point before which comes first, the seed or the tree. Uh, you can't answer it. Now, if I draw a circle, ah, oh, it's actually very, that's nice. It's complete. Which comes first, the seed or the tree? Sickler time can answer that in a very Zen way. <laughs> Neither one. <laughs> Neither one. It's actually uh, this linear time and the thought of ongoing progress, everything getting better, and then it all ends. It's, it's very. It, it comes from. I think it comes from some interpretation of the of the Western saviors' teachings, and then science got on board with that. Uh, um, now there are, in science, some reasons to look at it from a cyclical point of view. But it's interesting because you know it, it was thought, if I may, for a moment, that in in the Western society of philosophy and and, and thought that the cyclic ideas were very backward. And, you know, people were backward and 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 or that's what we say um, uh, pre pre scientific primitive, and the seasons come and then the seasons go round and. It's an old song. <laughs> uh, they uh, and so they they thought in terms of circles, but we know it's there's a beginning to time and so forth and, and so on. Um, but if you look at the Hindu society, we find a very sophisticated theology hmm, of cyclic time, in which the center around which everything is orbiting is not the is not the earth is not the sun it's the self hmm? the self round and round birth after birth and that's a very developed um, and beautiful idea hmm? so at any rate continuing with the with, with the narrative then um, uh, we find from the impartiality that the story arises out of that is exemplified in the Kumaras we go to the partiality and in the sutras it says that having determined that God is impartial and the differences that we find are a result of karma hmm? Hmm? the way the choices of people really is what what it is um, um, then That adhikaran, that uh, topic ends and a new topic begins in the sutras. And what is the new topic? But what about the partiality of God toward his devotees? And you would say, oh, that's another thing. That's, you want to talk about that now? That's another thing. That's very beautiful. That's the very quality, bhaktivatsalya of Bhagavan, that makes him venerable, attractive to the devotees. Hmm? So the partial. So there's a nice uh, example um, of the partiality within 
within the Parabiyom, within Baikunta, within that uh, transcendent realm that I like to cite uh, of Hanuman and Garuda. Krishna is with Garuda and Dwarka. And he says, hey, Hanuman is over there. He's my devotee. Can you fly over there and tell him I want to talk to him? So Garuda says, yes, sir. And off he goes. Gets to Hanuman and says, Krishna is in Dwarka. He would like to see you. Hanuman says, tell him I'll be there in a minute. No, no, I'm here to carry you. It's me, Garuda. I got that. I'm an eagle. I got big wings. He says, no, no, tell him I'll be there in a minute. You just go back. So he flies back and thinks, Krishna told me a great devotee was there named Hanuman. And I go to pick him up and, he, you know, he's got something else to do. And, and uh, what's with that? So he's flying back and uh, he gets back and... Uh, and uh, Chris says, where's Hanuman? He says, well, he said, he, he'd be coming. But I, he said, oh, well, go back and tell him that Ram wants to see him. <laughs> you are Ram. He said, yeah, I know, I know. Go tell him anyway. So he goes back and says, you're still here. Ram wants to see you. He says, okay. Well, uh, let him know. Let him know. I'll be there in a minute. Hmm? Now Garuda's that much more bewildered. And he's going back. And as he's flying back, trying to figure the whole thing out, he's heading towards Dwarka. And from Dwarka, jumping through the sky, is Hanuman going the opposite way, saying, Ram! <laughs> the point being is that when he, when he heard Ram wanted to see him, he didn't want to take the slow boat of Garuda. Hmm? But his bhakti, his bhava, transported him there in his uh, classical monkey leap. <laughs> that uh, was, uh, uh, propelled him at a greater pace than, than Garuda would have. Hmm? And so he has a bias hmm, toward Ram hmm, over Krishna. This is beautiful. Hmm? Hmm. Uh, and this makes up the, the, the variety of the spiritual world. And that, that bias will be determined by Sadhu Sangha. Hmm? By sadhu sangha, then well, you get infected, and that those sadhus worship in a certain way, so you will worship in that way, and you will attain that ideal, and so forth. Hmm. So, so the sutras say that's a different thing, hmm? the the partiality. So now we have this this as extraordinary as we began is this impartiality. It's just the baseline of spirituality, hmm? and on top of that, then the possibility of of rasa. So we come to, of course, then Hiranyakasipu is born and and he makes a complaint. He said, it seems to me that God is partial, as Vishnu is partial. It again comes up. Hmm? As, as, as Bara, he killed my brother Hiranyaksha. Uh, and uh, partiality is a fault. Hmm? And he eloquently speaks Vedic wisdom, hmm? spiritual insight, very, very nicely. Hmm? After all, he's a gatekeeper of Vaikuntha, <laughs> right? Right? But uh, but he, he he makes this point again. The partiality comes up. Looks like God is partial and so forth. So, um, and of course, we're getting a, we're taking a long time, so I'll try to wrap it up here. But um, but uh, uh, his his son is born, and he tries to teach him the ways of the world, and of course, Prahlad is otherworldly by the influence of Narada, hmm, who gave bhakti samskaras to him by way of teaching his mother the Bhagavatam when he was in the womb hmm, and wishing 
that the that the influence of his own bhava would affect the child, hmm? which it did, and Prahlad is born as as the, as the uh, ideal uh, devotee, hmm? and um, and his father, of course, objects to uh, his son's uh, devotion, being an asura, and ultimately frustrated with his son, he. Uh, tries to deal with him in the ways that he's used to dealing with people, which is, um, um, he tried to kill him, hmm? because he's trying to kill Vishnu, is, is the idea. Um, and, uh, of course, nothing works. All of his attempts to slay the child, the child is beautifully, Prahlad beautifully depicted many chapters about, about him and uh, his good character and so forth and so on. And uh, and of course he's, he is he is just the antithesis of what is often thought a devotee of Nishringa must be like. Get that tattoo, Nishringa Dave. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna kill him, Ugra Nishringa, you know. But who he actually corresponds with, you know, there's the love of God and there's God. So the type of love that you have corresponds with the form in which he appears. Hmm? So Prahlad was a devotee of Krishna. It stated, we read about it this morning, stated throughout the Bhagavatam, hmm, these ten chapters. He was a devotee of Krishna. He was a devotee of Krishna. He remembered Govinda. This was his preoccupation and so forth. Hmm? After all, his guru was Nard. Nard is a devotee of Krishna, right? Hmm. But the situation was uh, was 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 um, very odd in that um, his nemesis, which turned out to be his his father, hmm, had been given a blessing by Brahma hmm, that he wouldn't die at night or in the day or in the, uh, by the hands of an animal or a man or by any weapon on the land or on the sea or in the air and so on and so forth. He made all these attempts to be eternal in the body hmm, that's uh, subject to death. Hmm. And he thought he had beat the system, so to speak. So we need a very, Krishna has to make a very special appearance to deal with the, the, uh, the circumstances. And he appears uh, in the context of this Harassment, if you will, of the universe. This is the power. Hiranyakasipu is a huge asura because he's a gatekeeper of Vaikuntha. That's why he could. Be. So the whole universe was under his. It's, it's as it's told. This was under his control. The devas were suppressed and so forth. But Bhagavan didn't make any appearance to save the day. He only appeared in corresponding with with the spirit, the mood, the bhava, the bhakti of Prahlad in a way that, that protected Prahlad, a Sharanagata and more hmm, from uh, circumstances they didn't even ask for protection from. Hmm. Um, I mean, he was already protected, but when asked in rage by his father, where is this Vishnu? You see him everywhere, or Krishna. Is he, of course, is he in the pillar? Yes. And he's inside, he's outside, he's everywhere. Hmm. I see. Where is God? Where is he not? Hmm. And out of the pillar, 
broken by the Hiranyaksha. He came, and in a form that was suitable to the circumstances, half man, half animal. So he wasn't killed by a man or an animal. He wasn't killed on the land or in the sea or in the air, but on the lap and the string, and not by any weapon, but by the beautiful fingernails of the, uh, the Shringadev. Mm-hmm. Half man, half lion. We talked about that I, earlier and some of the symbolic implications of that. But, again, and this is perhaps a good point to, to conclude with tonight, uh, he corresponded with this ferocious appearance of Bhagwan that all the devas were afraid of because they all had some desire. Hmm. So uh, uh, he's the enemy of of, of such, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah. But Prahlad had no selfishness. He he was completely, um, I want to say, impartial. His teaching is no friends. Again, we're back to this impartiality. No friends, no enemies. He had a universal compassion. Hmm. When pressed by Bhagavan Nishring, who appeared and said, ask a blessing. He said, I don't want anything. He said, I'm God. I give blessings. Ask a blessing. Amikitu China. I don't want anything. You're going to embarrass me. I'm God. I give blessings. Ask for something. Hmm? Uh, and so finally, of course, he asked for the blessing that his father would be given. Bhakti would be blessed. Hmm? So this was his impartiality out of which arose this universal compassion, which is a huge, huge thing. We talk about being compassionate as devotees, and sometimes, unfortunately, the idea of being compassionate, posited by devotees, is more of of, of a psychological necessity that they have for other people to join in order for me to feel that it must be the right thing because everybody's joining and the whole world is going to join. Uh, they have to because this is the one and only absolute truth and, and they, they don't think like that consciously but 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 it's not necessarily a bad thing but the fact of the matter is that universal compassion is a huge development that you'll have to pass through. Hmm. It's the baseline for, for Rasananda. Hmm? So Prahlad showed this kind of universal compassion and he was the, really the perfection of Dasya Bhakti. Hmm? So again, the Dasya Bhakti comes up. And, and it's, it's very important, I would say, to uh, uh, make this connection that love of God and God are one and different, so they correspond. The object of love corresponds with the love. And the person of the Sringadev, that very fierce um, appearance of Bhagawan, corresponded entirely with the most gentle person. I mean, the way Prahlad is depicted as a child, completely innocent and uh, and so forth. He, he, if, if, you, if, you, if you got that tattoo and you think, I'm a devotee of the Sringadev, I'll get you. And he, uh, this is not <laughs> what the what the story is about. You are supposed to jai jai nishring. You're supposed to conquer yourself. That's the real battle. Hmm? Not everybody else. All those demons out there hmm? <laughs> that don't get it. I've got it. I've got to get all those guys. They're all demons. Hmm? Prahlad didn't see any demons. 
Hmm? Not even his father. Hmm? He didn't see like that. Hmm? So this is the real victory. And this is with these kind of eyes, then you can see this this Leela, the Bhagavan Shringa, Sri Prahlad Maharaj Ki Jai. Bhagavan Sri Narasimha Dev Ki Jai. Jai Bi Jai Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi.